you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, everybody, still in search of the perfect holiday gift? Nautica's got you covered. Get last-minute gifts for everyone on your list, including cold-weather favorites like the best-selling Nautics fleece or swim styles that go from beach to boat in a breeze. Use code FOOTBALL for 10% off your next purchase in-store or online through December 24th. Nautica.com. Find a store near you. That's Nautica.com. Code FOOTBALL. Around the NFL podcast is getting the band back together. Go-ho! Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. What band? What I mean, band? Is that Delaware? Getting the band back together for Delaware? the 80th time in four weeks. I know. When are we not together? For those that may be new to the show, uh, Greg, during his high school days in New England, formed a prog Western Massachusetts alternative shout rock. Shout out band. Western Mass. Um, acid rock, I would Emo. call it. Emo, a hybrid of some kind. Uh, Greg played, he tickled the ivories, I believe, and did Vox. And the band was called Delaware. None I don't of, remember you tickling. None of this is true, except like we were, yeah, f- some fourteen-year-olds, and I sang in a band. I would say it was more. Uh, they might be giants esque. I mean, we little, got a, a little, little bit of your Annie Lennox little, they, sample yeah, the other they day. They might so be giants slash dead milkmen. Yeah. How I long were people hanging around for I wasn't singing tra- in this? Yeah, I wasn't trying to croon with those songs. Those. It was more, more a chant, more like, like talking. Okay. Yeah. Can, and, we, and can we hear some Greg vocals? No, let's please never. I don't want to do that to do you guys that. again. <laughs> what is uh, it? Birdhouse in my soul? Is that the name of the album? Is that they I might like be they giants. might be giants. That was the first oh. concert I ever went to. They might be giants. I'm with Greg on Smith that. Smith College. Frank Black opened. They spl- they played at the spring. Good course. ratio at Smith College, by the way. <laughs> uh, what is that? A all all women's school. Where? That's your, right up your yeah, alley like, there, they're Mark They're like Sessler. dotted throughout Massachusetts. These all women's schools. Northampton. So. Western Mass is like the king of uh, all women's schools. Mm-hmm. They Might Be Giants played uh, Northeastern Spring Fest in 2002. I sat it out. Sounds like I I, I should regret it. They were fun. I think. They I were, don't think you would have. They were of they the moment. Been a by, band. Yeah, by 02 even, that might have been past that moment. 
The only song I even know from them is the Malcolm in the Middle theme, which I did not find enjoyable as a song, but I'm sure they have some bangers. Yeah, I wouldn't say that's like the perfect snapshot of their catalog. But <laughs> All right, here we go. It's the Wednesday show. A lot to get to. Uh, some big news. A general manager uh, got axed. A offensive coordinator was let go. See, I'm trying to use different words than fired out of respect. But then axed is kind of cruel as well. Axed sounds worse. Axed I mean, sounds worse. Because it's basically execution is the connection there. It could be. Or it could, like that Jaguars punter who axed himself in the shin. Yeah. Who was the punter? The Jack Pop quiz. days. Someone Hanson, I believe. Yeah, I think it was Hanson. I think that sounds right. And we have some quarterback news before we get to that. Um, uh, also coming up, I should say, uh, we're going to take a closer look at the playoff picture and uh, preview Thursday Night Football. And then, uh, and perhaps most importantly, um, we need to talk to the president uh, of the Pro Football Writers Association, who just happens, so happens to be Bob, Bob Glauber, longtime columnist for Newsday in New York. Uh, so we'll talk to him at the end of the show and, and make a formal pitch. We'll just leave it at that for now. Uh, let us get to the news. How could it happen? How, does, how could it happen? Where the fuck are they all? They got to keep the other end of the goal line safe. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. You knew Christ. they were going to do it. Are you shitting me? The Tamposi house. What was that? That, that was, was a fan video of the that, Hail Mary? That was a like a 80-year-old grandfather in some New England uh, you know, den, living room area, uh, reacting to the Miami miracle. That was Alec Baldwin in Outside Providence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, is that what it sounded like in your house growing up, Erica? No. Not at all? No. Very civilized, and um, you know, we don't have accents. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, let's start uh, with the uh, decision by the Minnesota Vikings to part ways with offensive coordinator uh, John DeFilippo. Uh, this happens uh, 13 games into the DeFilippo's first season as the OC, spent last year and won a ring with the Eagles. And, um, Mark, the idea of DeFilippo was great. When the hiring and it, it seemed, oh, Kirk Cousins is in town. We get this guy that's a young hotshot from the Super Bowl champ staff, and it just never worked. And Mike Zimmer makes the decision to move on, and and quite frankly, a stunning decision. Yeah, I wonder if age had something to do with it coming off of the Sean McVay mm-hmm. situation, because everyone kind of thought of Frank Reich as a second or third or fourth or fifth type of candidate, and you learn months later that Frank Reich had a lot to do uh, and maybe was a driving force. And Phillies, you know, surged down the stretch last year in their creativity and their approach to analytics, their willingness to fit that in. And the Eagles are a bit of dead weight, and DeFilippo's out of a job. I still feel that one of the biggest issues for any offensive coordinator coming into Minnesota, I mean, beyond for DeFilippo getting along with the head coach, was a offensive line that was hamstrung from the start and currently ranks 31st in pass protection. And that plays out. I mean, Kirk Cousins, as you guys have said, has not been – the primary issue. He also has had some bad games, and whether or not you like it, a quarterback is tied to the results of a team, but good luck thriving if you're Kirk Cousins behind that line. He's been punished far too often, and the record probably reflects some of their major weaknesses. Before Tony Sperano passed away, he and 
DiFilippo worked closely together, and they were excited for this season. Sperano, one of the best O-line coaches and run game coordinators in the league, he was behind last year's team in which Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon were one of the best backfield duos in the league, and the offensive line really blocked well for Case Keenum. And this year it's been totally different. Yeah, that's been, I think, their number one problem, and that's led to the running game problems. And I think Kirk Cousins overcame some of the line issues, and now he's gotten into some bad habits where I don't think, no matter how much you like Kirk Cousins, you can't argue that he played well on Monday night, even taking away the offensive line issues. I can think of three or four, five different plays where protection was not a problem at all, and he was late to see receivers. He made some uh, indecisive throws, but the firing's timing is shocking to me because three weeks left in the season, you're in the number six spot. You just don't see that much. Yeah, we saw it with the Ravens uh, You know, before they won their Super Bowl, after they were blown out in a game, and, and Jim Caldwell ended up taking over, and they won the Super Bowl. So who knows? Kevin Stefanski, who's been there and is the quarterback's coach, is a guy I think that's pretty highly thought of around the league and inside of that building, and some people thought he should have gotten that job a year ago, and it makes you wonder if Filippo and Zimmer were ever totally on the same page, just because reading between the lines and also hearing some of the reports, Zimmer was talking publicly that he wasn't really a fan of some of the Filippo philosophies in press conferences, and judging by the some of the reports out there and certainly even some of the play-by-play and color guys who meet with Zimmer, I think he was talking a little you know, trash about just not getting on the same page with Filippo behind the scenes too. So maybe it's just a philosophical difference, but it's a dramatic decision to fire a guy with three weeks left in the season. You are doing it consciously knowing that it is going to hurt this guy's job prospects, John Filippo, who's going to be meeting for head coaching jobs, you would presume. Or if he fired him in October, it hurt his head coaching a- prospects ab- too. Absolutely. It's just the timing of it's interesting. And it almost, I don't, I didn't, it's, maybe too much to say it feels personal, but I think if you have a strong relationship with a guy, you're not going to fire him with three weeks left right as he's about to try to get a job. I think context is so important, though. You have to understand what was going on with the Vikings entering the season, the expectations, all that money they gave Kirk Cousins to be the final piece of this offense. They bring in Filippo to be this guy that will connect with Cousins and take their offense to an even higher level uh, than it was with Case Keenum. And Mike Zimmer is like, I got to save this thing. This is a right. this is a disaster for us that we were this dominant NFC superpower last year, and now we're clawing to go 500 or close to it to try to make a playoff spot. I saw it as an act of a desperate team. I didn't see it as a personal I, shot. I'm with you, no. and they blocked Stefanski from going with Pat Shermer to the Giants. So that tells me, to Greg's point, that maybe Zimmer – all along felt like this was the guy he knew. He was already on his staff, and they wanted to elevate. But maybe the Filippo, who was a hot name coming out of the Super Bowl, was hoisted on him. There's ele- there's whispers of that. And then you can't make that. You can't just necessarily magic wand that relationship. It, it, it may not work, and it didn't work. But I don't have a problem with them making a change because their offense no. needed a change. And we've seen it in Cleveland. We've seen it in other places, even this season, where when you make that shift, things starting to change. And it's like, why not? It couldn't get worse. Let's move on. Another uh, dismissal. This one in Oakland. The Raiders let go of uh, Reggie McKenzie after seven years as the general manager. Uh, he had a meeting with Team Scouts Monday and informed the group that he was let go, according to Rap Sheet and Tom Pelissero. Uh And this was, um, Wes, a, a, a shaky setup from the moment John Gruden arrived and I think a lot of people thought the moment John Gruden arrived that Reggie McKenzie for all intents and purposes was already out as general manager at least in the capacity that he was hired for 
Uh, so this feels almost inevitable, this move. Exactly. I think everybody saw the writing on the wall as soon as John Gruden got all the power. And then we heard reports in the last six months that basically McKenzie had already been kind of sent to a corner of the room while Gruden's scouts and Gruden's executives took over everything. You got Rosemond. And if you look at McKenzie's drafts, I, I think outside of the 2014 draft, which brought Derek Carr and Khalil Mack, they've been among the worst drafts in, in football. He was a punching bag on this podcast with you uh, being the Mike in the Mike Tyson role, Chris Wessling, back in 13, 14. Like you kind of couldn't believe that he was continuing to keep that job. I, the one defense I would have of McKenzie is that I think he improved the situation. He, I think, inherited, if not the worst, one of the worst situations any general manager has inherited this century. What Al Davis did to that, the combination of maybe one of the worst rosters that we've seen with one of the worst salary cap situations we've ever seen was kind of a no-win quickly situation. And he flushed it all out. He got them back to the point where they were in the playoffs uh, you know, to a few years ago. It's their only winning season since 2002, which is amazing. It's almost under the radar how unbelievably terrible they've been uh, for the last 15 or 16 years. And they're in better shape now than when he arrived. I don't know if John Gruden's ever going to be able to say that. I, I mean, the only, the, a lot of GMs and other organizations would have been swept out earlier. I mean, that 12-win season bought him a lot of rope because that was sandwiched in between win totals of four, four, three, seven, and six. The seven, it was heading up. The seven, it was. Yeah. And, he, and he had that one draft that, I mean, that changes teams. When you have a draft like that and if Derek Carr – Maybe it turned into something a little more than we feel of him today, and you kept the other pieces. You've got a franchise in place, but now it's going to be Gruden making the draft picks. And if you look at Gruden's drafts back when he was, forget the Oakland years, because that was largely the Davis family, I would imagine, if not him alone. But if you look at him in Tampa, he ate up their first two drafts by being traded to Tampa for two firsts <laughs> and a second. So that's, that's not on him. They made that choice, but he drafted Michael Clayton, who essentially had one relevant season. As a wide receiver, he drafted... Michael Clayton ruined a lot of my fantasy teams. There you go. He drafted Gaines Adams, who played in a first round, who played 40-second games as a pro. Nice player. A a second-round guard who played 31 games. A third-rounder, who I remember playing for Cleveland for a couple games, Sabby Piscatelli. And the only pick that I really think he nailed was Aqib Tlaib in 2008 when they had like the eighth pick in the draft, and it was a home-run type dude. And almost didn't really come through for the Bucks. Just and that draft included so many... Dexter Jackson, a second rounder who played seven games. I mean, there are teas dot. So here you're handing over all of this power to who? Maybe Bruce Allen. I do wonder if Bruce Allen, who's with the Redskins right now, well, that now, should make you could, uh, could come over and join his old pal Johnny. Uh, let's talk Ooh. some quarterbacks. One more thought on that, actually. So they're going to replace McKenzie, I assume, even if Gruden is the but guy. But it'd be like a guy under Gruden, right? Essentially. Right. Is yeah. that is that a job you even want? Like, what what's the upside if you're somebody who who pines to be an NFL general manager? I think is that it'll a be gig that you want. I, I think an end of career type job. No, I think I think it'll be someone that Gruden has some sort of connection with, whether it's through his tree of coaches and is willing to be, you know, a, a younger assistant almost to, to right. John Gruden. The only thing is, if you're in in New England. There are all these hidden front office men under Belichick who have been rooted out to other organizations. If you succeed, they figure out who right. you are. Bad news for the Eagles. Let's talk some quarterbacks. Uh, Carson Wentz, who's dealing with back spasms, Rap Sheet reported on Wednesday uh, that Wentz is not expected to play uh, in Week 15, and it's a big matchup. It's a, Their season's on the line, essentially, against uh, arguably the best team in the NFC in the Rams, and it will most likely be Nick Foles behind 
center. So, Greg, a season that's just been filled with disappointment for the Eagles. This is just a, another tough setback. This was supposed to be the circle, the wagons game, keep our season alive, and now you're not going to have your star quarterback. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because they're one game out of the playoffs, about one half game. So, they, even as terrible as this season has been – I think eight wins is going to get you into the playoffs. I don't know if eight wins for them uh, would get them in because the Vikings, you know, have the tie and then there's tiebreakers. But if he's not playing this week after finishing off last week's game, to me, it's almost a sign that, hey, we're going to let you play through this on some level when we have a legitimate chance and believe in our chances. But the Eagles have shown who they are. They're a six and 17. So, I mean, that was my question because it's, he finished Wednesday. last week's game right. with two great drives. In back spasms, and not, not to downplay that at any level, that could be awful, but like it's Wednesday. We don't know where he'd be three days from now. Why, why is he not a game-time decision at this point? And you figure that out. Right, in rap sheets saying he might be out for the season, depending on how this week goes. And I don't think you're winning a, a game in Los Angeles with Sounds Nick like a Foles. shutdown. Sounds like it. And well, maybe it helps explain some of his accuracy issues. Which was, which was a, if he had any knock coming out of college, it was accuracy. I don't think you had seen it too much, maybe a little in his rookie year, but he's missed some throws this year. Overall, I think for the most part, Carson Wentz played quite well coming off a torn ACL. I don't think he's been a huge issue. The passing of the torch is official in Baltimore. John Harbaugh announced that Lamar Jackson, their first-round pick rookie quarterback, uh, who has won three of his first four starts, will indeed officially replace Joe Flacco as the team's quarterback. Flacco, who is dealing with a hip injury, is healthy, but he's the backup RG3. Rob, he goes back to the inactive list. Um, uh, Wes, Lamar Jackson has had a nice schedule so far, so you have to understand the context with his start, but... This feels like the right move for a team that's going in the right direction, even with uh, Sunday's tough loss. I think you said it well. You have to factor in the schedule. He's going to face, after the Bucks game this weekend, the, probably the five worst run defenses in the NFL. And the Ravens have become the run-dominant team, along with the Seahawks in the NFL. I think what sells it for me is that they have an identity now with Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards and Kenneth Dixon. And with Joe Flacco, they had no identity, not even for this year. For the last few years, they kept struggling with the run-pass ratio under Flacco. They were very pass-heavy and could never establish a running attack. And now they have an identity that goes with their defense. Yeah, they, they lead the league in 10-plus play drives. So even though it's not a great offense and the schedule's helped, I also think that John Harbaugh – thinks this is his best chance to save his job because Lamar Jackson gives him the best chance to win. It's like he's making the most dis important decision possible. And the way that they've been able to rally, I think we would have been we, – we could be in a totally different world if Patrick Mahomes doesn't make one of the great throws we've seen in the last few years. And in that world where he doesn't make that play, the Ravens are in first place and everyone's talking about what an unbelievable coaching job this Ravens staff is doing. And I, they got to see it through. Uh, and as far as Joe Flacco goes, I don't think he plays again in Baltimore. It, what is his value? I mean, well, if he hits the open market, like the Jaguars should run to the open market and get him. Yeah, I think he'll get a job. I mean, the Giants could be looking for a quarterback. Um, the Redskins will certainly be looking for a quarterback. You would think so. There, I would think he's gonna have a good chance to be starting next year. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger will be starting on Sunday 
a huge game against the Patriots. The Steelers' season might be on the line in this game, and uh, Roethlisberger exited uh, midway through uh, Pittsburgh's loss to the Raiders with a rib injury. Uh, and then that's when things got murky because he doesn't uh, come out and start the third quarter with the team. He stays out of the game until there's about five minutes left, and the uh, Steelers had fallen behind. He comes back in. Of course, this is what Big Ben, Big ben does. He leads them to a touchdown. Uh, and then there's questions after the game. Uh, what, why weren't you on the field sooner? And it was a bit of a mystery, and uh, it was explained as this week has gone along that that old dump in Oakland, <laughs> which uh, also, by the way, cost them a game because Chris Boswell couldn't even put his foot down. And Chris Boswell, by the way, watch out because Kai Forbeth's working out in Pittsburgh uh, as we speak. Guys, Kai. Uh, uh, the, the, not only uh, there, is their turf terrible, the x-ray machine, at least according to the Steelers, was not good enough to give them an accurate read to let them know that he was okay to go into the game. A rib injury could be scary business. Let's hear what uh, Ben had to say about it. Didn't have great clarity, to be honest with you. Wasn't able to read the, the, the x-ray to our satisfaction. It was probably a dated piece of equipment uh, or what have you. It was Mike Tom. <laughs> uh, so, and, and just to, if you're scoring at home, Greg, uh, here's a tweet from uh, Mike Scheinman, who um, covers the Raiders uh, for the Mercury News. Uh, this er, last week there was a skunk running around the locker room in <laughs> Oakland and in the hallway, and uh, and Matt Schneidman cataloged it all. Dead animals post game three, two mice in the soda machine, one skunk in the hallway, two Raiders wins, and a defective X-ray machine and a horrible playing surface. Get out of there! Let's blow the place up. Make sure it's empty, and then blow it up. The it's over. Well, the A's in. have to play there. It doesn't matter. The A's going to be more irrelevant. That's not true, actually. They, they have a nice... Do they make the playoffs? Yeah, they have a nice duplicates. I apologize, <laughs> athletics. But you deserve a new stadium as well. well All they, that foul territory. It raises a joke. point, which... Uh, Let a man win a batting title, Wes. All that foul territory. You speak the truth on this <laughs> issue. You cannot win a batting title in that. I gotta stadium. say though, oh, I, I hit a 200 feet in foul territory next to first base. It's an out. And it's a put out. Yeah. I, w- I I was once on my way on the a road trip back through uh, America where I tried to see as many oh, baseball Brian. games as I could. Weird and flex, as the kids. Say. I gotta say, yeah, I was like 24 <laughs> years old, wasting time. 1:20 afternoon, midday game at Oakland Coliseum with about 7,000 people in the crowd. One of the most underrated sporting experiences I've ever had. It was I a blast. See that. It was a blast. Well, you're the only one rating it. What? No, <laughs> no one else is rating. And there's 7,000 people there. I'd say in the 7,000. I'm just saying, uh, probably it, nice it was a weather. great. It was a great. Uh, it was a great I went place to an A's game. game and get in for about six bucks. And right. I went to. I drove Sit up one morning at five in the morning Everyone's to a Raiders smoking. Browns game. And I will say this: like, it is not a bad fan experience for the fan in the stands. I don't know about much. Right. The seven thousand people that were there were going wild. And and to to bring it back to the Raiders though, it does this this thing that you're bringing up. You know, we're having fun with it. Mm. But there is like a real issue coming up. And I thought ESPN had a perfect headline for it yesterday. Paul Gutierrez. Where will well, he the, didn't write the headline, but where will the he might have? He's a double threat. Where will the Raiders play in 2019, and why isn't anyone freaking out? It's kind of it is kind of an amazing story, considering the history of the Raiders in Oakland, that there may only be one game left ever in their franchise history in Oakland, and that no one following the team or with the team knows where they're going to play football next year. They seem to want to play football in Oakland, but Oakland doesn't necessarily seem to want them. 
It's kind of, it's a ridiculous thing right now. Yeah. Could they be the San Diego Raiders for a year? It seems like there's a lot on the table. They could it's like we can let's find the only stadium that's in worse shape than our stadium. Go down to old Qualcomm. <laughs> I I do remember like the because it was a I believe it was a Thursday night football game and and we were here that the last Rams game ever, you weren't you didn't know if it was the last ga- Rams game ever. And like that's what this that's what's going to happen in Oakland. It's like the Raiders fans deserve a lot better than they've been getting. I agree. All right, that's what's happening in the news. Hey, did you know that Lowe's is the new home of Craftsman? Now we do. Yeah. Lowe's is the new go-to destination where we can explore the latest innovative Craftsman products, including their new V20 power tool battery platform. The Craftsman's V20 cordless power tool lineup features a high-capacity lithium battery that's part of Craftsman's interchangeable battery system. So it works with all the tools in their V20 lineup, giving you the runtime you need and the power you deserve not to mention a longer cycle life resulting in extended battery life. And, you know, you'll also want to check out that V20 brushless power tool that is proudly made in the good old USA. God bless this country. These colors don't run, Mark. I'm just letting you fill in the blanks on this one. Made with global materials in good old Charlotte. These brushless motors deliver high efficiency and great durability. For the latest Craftsman product updates, visit Lowe's.com slash around. That's Lowe's, L-O-W-E-S dot com slash around. Lowe's is the new home of Mm. Craftsman. All right, boys. Let's take a closer look at the playoff picture. So many things. So many things can happen uh, in the last three weeks. Uh, But... Uh, as as we get into it, maybe we'll we'll kind of take turns, you know, throwing a team out there and talk about their path or where you see them going, uh, or whether people are sleeping on a team or people are not realizing that a team's already dead. That, that's what the conversation is about. Let's dig into the playoff picture a little bit. Uh, Mark Sessler, uh, you're the first person I just locked eyes on, and it was <laughs> a gorgeous view, if All I right. say so myself. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, get us going. I mean, the fascination for me, because I feel a lot of the NFC is set, and it is personal for me, is what is happening in the AFC North, a division that I think, you know, three weeks ago, I would have just said it's Pittsburgh's, and they don't look like a team that's about to crumble down the stretch. And now there is very much a possibility that that division could come down to the final week, because you're Pittsburgh, and you're 7-5-1. and one. You have a half-game lead over the 7-6 and six Ravens, but you've got the Patriots, and the Saints on the road the week after that, and you close with the Bengals team. So let's say you basically need to get to nine wins in this division if you're Pittsburgh to not get into a last week scenario that could be ugly. You've got to win two of those three. That's a tall order. If you're Baltimore, and I think there's a lot of belief in the Ravens in this place, you're seven and six, but you could easily, easily be eight and seven heading into, because you go on the road to the Chargers in week 16, heading into a final game with the Cleveland Browns at home. And the Browns play the Broncos this Saturday night and then play the Bengals. That's two winnable games that would bring them to 7-7-1. Seven, seven, and one. And What are you, you saying, Sessler? I mean, I, is it going to happen? It's, there's a lot of bizarre improbabilities there. But the Pittsburgh schedule plays against them. If they're going to be a team that fails to show up against the Patriots, which they do annually, and then cannot handle a high-powered Saints team the week later. There's a lot of variables here. It play- makes it very exciting, the final three weeks. Would that be – yeah, it's looking too far ahead. But, like, is there any chance that's, like, playing for Mike Tomlin's job 
if they if they lo- if if they lost six straight games to lose the season. I don't know. So, I always feel like Tomlin is so important. It is Sunday is so important to both teams because the Patriots are looking to get a bye. But the Steelers, if they lose this game, what you're the scenario you're laying out is wide, and I'm all in with you, right down to the Browns playing in Week 17. And what else could you ask for, Mark? Just even talking about this is a oh, possibility. Yeah. But if the Steelers take care of business on Sunday, I think this is all hogwash. Well, then it's over. Then I, th- I could see. Then they go two and one because they'll nail the Bengals. Who can they'll trust them? And you go nine. Although they just six lost to the Raiders, but. It's at home. Yeah. But not, it's not that yeah. crazy for it, the Browns it, to have a playoff meaningful matchup in week 17. It's wow. not crazy. It's amazing even that they have a meaningful matchup this Saturday night. And you got to win that one, obviously, if you're the Browns. And then I think you can start getting a little carried away, wondering what could happen. I don't think it's a gimme to go to – I don't think any game for the Browns is necessarily a gimme, but certainly not a road game against a Denver team that, yeah, they're banged up. But they've been pretty good at home this year, and they're not, they're not a pushover by any means. I, I love it. I love that we're talking about the Browns uh, flying through. It's a I, you can tell that Siciliano's all fired up this week. Mark's fired up. Really, are you tracking Andrew Siciliano? He's got a whole. Si- yeah, he was like he's, he he's, he, yeah, he put it out there. He's yeah. putting it out on social media. The different ways the Browns can make the playoffs. He's just loving. Well, it. how about a, you know be a professional? You're you're a broadcaster. You're not supposed to have a rooting allegiance. Wait, aren't so you're saying you don't? Don't. This is not about me or anyone <laughs> in this room. It's about other people that should we're be held podcasters. to a standard. Yes, you can't can't have it both ways. You, if you don't take us seriously, then we get to be fans of teams. All right, Wes, you're up. I look at the Packers, a team which Football Outsiders gives, I believe, less than a 7% chance to make the playoffs. However, if the following things happen this weekend, the following reasonable things happen, the Packers win. In a, Chicago. In Chicago. That's the least reasonable part of this. I agree. That's, that's the big – that's the big thing. If the Vikings lose to the Dolphins. Possible. Possible. Two pretty equal teams right now. The Rams beat the Eagles. Very possible. The Saints beat the Panthers. That's some Dolphins possible. love I smelled from Chris Wesley. The Jaguars beat the Redskins. <laughs> Very possible. <laughs> if all of those things happen, things. can I make a point here? The Packers will <laughs> have a 75% chance to win if they win out, according to 538. Okay. They go from, I don't know, seven percent to having a like I a had, realistic possibility, and the rest of their schedule makes it very possible. I too. read elsewhere, Wes, that it was four percent. But you're right, and I was looking at their schedule too. And you don't want to get too excited because the Packers have been underwhelming all season. That's that could not be more true. But if they beat the Bears, everything else, the Vikings need to lose twice, the Panthers lose once, the Redskins lose once, the Eagles lose once, mm. and the Packers win out. They are in. It, it it's, it's not going to happen. I don't but. I don't foresee a six seed being that dangerous. Although you never know if they a team can turn their season around in the final three weeks, like the 2012 Ravens, for instance. Which, if we had a podcast back then, we would have beyond buried when the Dolphins dropped them like 45 to seven in in week 14. You never know what could happen. But the Packers have kind of like shown no ability to win three straight games. So that that's the that's the trick. I think you guys are right that if they manage to win three straight games, eight wins with the tie, because you know you only have seven losses, there's a solid chance the Vikings don't get there. Part of their problem though is the Vikings have like a seventy percent chance, according to all these analytics sites, because they're in first place, uh, they're in the sixth spot right now, because they have that tie and because their schedules 
pretty soft. So if they get to eight wins, like they're almost they if they win two out of three, the Vikings they have a great chance because all these teams have been headed in the wrong. It direction. is interesting that the two teams we brought up made high-profile firings that were essentially because of the offensive side of the ball, and the Vikings are the third team in that mix. Mm. Uh, Greg, what do you got? I'm keeping an eye on uh, our Thursday night football game, which we'll talk about in a little bit, so we don't need to break it down. But the the impact that that game could have in terms of the AFC and the chance that the Chargers still have with three weeks left of the season to go ahead and be the number one seed, to go ahead and be great, to have some home games here at the StubHub. You want to hear a home crowd? Maybe get the one seed. Or maybe it wouldn't happen in uh, some Ravens or Whoever's coming in here would just rage and whatever. Just be weird. Let's get weird, NFL. I don't think it's crazy for the Chargers to go to Arrowhead and win that game. I think the Chiefs are the better team, but the Chargers are certainly capable of beating anyone. They're not going to have the tiebreaker over the Chiefs, so they need the Chiefs to lose two games. But the Chiefs are going to Seattle the following week. So if, if you could beat Kansas City on Thursday night, Kansas City has to go to Seattle win that game to keep the number one seed. It is not a crazy scenario for the Chargers to take care of business. And their schedule is not cake either. They have to they have a very difficult they have schedule. a very difficult schedule. They have to beat the Ravens on a, on a fun little Sunday night or Saturday night game on NFL Network, I believe. And then I think they finish with the Broncos. So it's not in Denver in Denver. It's tough. But here we are three weeks left of the season. I don't think that's a crazy scenario. The playoffs go through the stub. Are we calling it the stub? Uh, I stub mean, toe. we just have the the Patriots are going to get the first seed. Is what I'm. Everything you're hearing, everyone has a well, tough two schedule. Well, ga- they're two games back. You're right. The Patriots. I, see, I, could, I could see it now. In theory, yeah, the the Patriots route is the Chiefs losing those two games I mentioned, but then the Chargers also uh, stub stub their toe, toe at the stub against Baltimore. That win over Pittsburgh, and I, Dan, I I believe you're in this in this crowd as well. That. That's the the game they would have dropped, and we could have started to wave goodbye to them. They're going to go to the. They've had one playoff game in eight years. This is this team is not a flawed team the same way as the previous ones. They have one loss since week three, and I trust them to. I, I think they can beat the Chiefs. The interest. The interesting thing about them is I. I think I, you should lock it up. <laughs> they have Melvin Gordon back. We'll I don't even it. trust them, even though even though I'm I'm a fan and I'm looking I'm hoping it happens just because of recent history. But that seven game win. Here's the thing, the though. West. Here's the thing, though. Chargers <laughs> are a dangerous five seed. If the Chargers are going to Houston or Pittsburgh or Baltimore or wherever it is in the first round of the playoffs, they actually have a better road record this year than they do home record. And they and they've don't You're have, buying into this. They don't have much of a home field advantage. The Chargers either. So either way, I think they got a shot. But give them the one seed. That'd be fun. You're buying in. I am. Let's see what Bridget has to say. <laughs> then she's. Greg is back on the acid. Oh, see, she she's a computer, and her math says. I haven't heard from Bridget fuzzy. a lot yeah. lately. This feels less drug induced than some scenarios <laughs> we've come up with. But. She's been busy. She's in the garage under lock and key. She's yeah. They've the, ah! <laughs> the people behind the Bridget 2000 have been trying to mass produce it with all this demand around the holiday season. Our fans <laughs> trying to buy up Bridget's, our, our lonely fans all across the country for their own Bridget. Google searches for the Bridget 2000 are <laughs> definitely going through the roof this time of year. Uh, Mark, do you have another one? Um, I could cook one up. No, no, no. Else. Do you yeah, have another I, one? I thought mine was pretty complex. It was fine. I, li- I liked it. It was good. Wes, did you have one? I have one if you guys don't. <laughs> oh, go, go for ahead. It. Go ahead. I, I you haven't have gone yet. One you haven't gone go yet. Ahead. All right. This one is, you guys, you know, you're not going to want to hear this, but I already know when you talk is. about paths that aren't 
impossible. This show is too predictable. Yeah, but like if you talk about if you want to talk about it's the Packers, be a giant. Cast, <laughs> exactly. If you want to call what's what's overly predictable, okay, maybe me bringing back the G button into the playoff like conversation. It. But just listen to it. Hear me out, because if you're going to hear out the Packers, you should hear out the G button. Call for Dan Hansis. You just got hired by Newsday. <laughs> you here, here we go. You ready? They got to win out. Just like the Packers, that might be the biggest ask of all because it's a flawed team. But who are they playing? Home against the Titans. Please. What do you mean, please? They're not please. better than the Titans. Please. Oh. All right. Lock it up. If Titans. You so forget much. it. Uh, on the road against the Colts. Okay. That's a tough matchup. Mm. Am I going to say that they have no chance? No, I'm not going to say that. And then home against the Cowboys. A home game against the best team in the NFC East. Not an easy road, <laughs> but not impossible. Okay. Then the Vikings need to lose three out of their last four. Okay. And they've already lost one. So they need to lose two of their last three, excuse me. So they have to lose Dolphins at home, Lions on the road, Bears at home. That can happen. When's the last time the Giants played a team that wasn't incredibly shorthanded? I think it goes back to their bye. They're playing very well right now, Chris. No, I'm, I'm talking about the opponent. The, the teams that they've beaten. You can only focus on yourself. Like the Sanchez yourself. Redskins, <laughs> the Chase Daniel Bears, an Eagles defense missing six of 11 starters, the Buccaneers without Levante David and Gerald McCoy, and the 49ers. What, and Nick Mullins so are we going to bring up the Giants without Odell Beckham if we're going to go down this road? Ooh, the dream sure, is, you can the have dream Odell Beckham alive. against the Sanchez Redskins. Uh, they can only play their opponent, Chris. I agree. I'm just saying let's be realistic <laughs> about who they are, unlike the New York media, who is not realistic about who this team is. The Packers just need to lose one more game, okay? Perfect. Bears on the road, Jets on the road, Lions at home. The Panthers need to lose two of three. Saints at home, Falcons home, Saints away. That can happen. The Eagles need to lose two of three. Rams away, Texans <laughs> home, All these Redskins teams away. are terrible. The biggest problem is a bad team like the Giants has to win three games against teams that will not be at their undermanned worst. This is the problem with you dismissing them, though. West. None of those teams are dominant teams. A road, a Titans team on the road. When's the Colts last time team the Cowboys at home, lost? And the Cowboys team on the road. If if it was if they were going to Dallas, I'd I'd say, oh yeah, that is a too much to ask I'll, of a middling Giants team. I'll give. Let's just say I'm not even saying it's going to happen. It is not. But if you're going to throw out I'll the give, Packers, you got to. I'll give throw some out credit. I mean, yeah. To your argument, Football Outsiders, who DVOA is rather high on the Giants in general. Higher, they have the highest uh, DVOA of any team in that division. Amazingly. Which should tell you something about DVOA then. I, I think they've been a better team than their record throughout the season. I think they're an average type of team. They have a higher uh, chance to make the playoffs, uh, Danny, than the Browns do at least, 1.4. They're giving them 1.4%. They have a 1.4%. The other, the, other the other two sites I check out, which so is you're ES- saying there's a chance. F- ESPN, FBI, and then uh, 538. They give them almost like no chance at all it's not a it's not I'm not saying it's gonna happen I'm just saying it could well, and happen. also and also it doesn't matter what any of these pollsters think anyways that's great that there's all these percentages flying around well, the no Giants thinking. could just, just go numbers. win all their games take care of business and right. let the rest of these if you trusted the pollsters Hillary would be in the White exactly. House right now I mean, they're, I mean, they're, they're, not revealed, they're, they're unmasked over 538 and over. Uh, 538 you know stomping on the uh Trump's grave and then they got their how are they still in business? that shows a total First of all, they gave Trump a much better 
chance than almost any other site. And like, hey, that's how percentages. It first of all, that's true. No, Sec- but I mean, they did of all, not like, get it right. Get, Come on. Of course, you didn't get it right. But no. when you give someone a forty percent chance, that means that they that's, have a forty get, out of a hundred chance to win. You, get, you have a very <laughs> admirable <laughs> analytic mind, but there's also something called the human experience, where the Giants right. could just spin magic, and you're the one that yeah. says anything can happen to all these teams. The Giants would be. I think it would they, be one of the most magical things to happen in a long time that an 8-8 eight and eight Giants team sneaks into the playoffs and then Eli Manning goes on one final <laughs> run and this podcast studio explodes into a thousand shards. Or they lose the next Because it was a year ago we were burying Nick Foles and the Eagles as having no shot. We don't I know wasn't. anything ultimately. All right. Do we, anybody want to throw out one more or do we want to move on? We're just going like crazy. Yeah, we can uh, move on. Let's move on. This is a good conversation. Do you have one, Wes? No, let, that's a good note to end on. <laughs> Anything is possible in the NFL. Ooh, add that to possible uh, catchphrases. Dan is hot and masculine. Thank good trade, old sister. Remember the last time she, <laughs> she said, said that? Good trade, old sister. Thank you, baby. All right. Um, that at least Bridget no longer seems to infuriate Mark as much. I mean, I couldn't be more. It's it's. Mark's it's in the so, com- Mark, so coming from not. afar. What was that? So obvious. What was that, Bridget? Good one, Mark. Not. She's got a sense that of one doesn't bother me because I find her no, kind of funny. It was funny. the one about Dan that really. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so we know what it is. It's just it's what a manufactured <laughs> joke. I, I one, and it's four weeks later. The one thing I think we're they got to work. Propping it up is hilarious. Wait, he's starting to get angry. <laughs> the one thing I'm I, not, I literally could care less. I think I think one of the reasons we haven't heard from her in a while. I think Bridget three thousand needs to work on the comedic timing. Just like oh, yeah. timing that knot. You she's know, not, she's updated. Not a, she's not. A she's a robot. She's not by design a comedy bot. But she's working on it. She's got bits. All right. She's, let's no, look. she's no Scarlett Johansson in her, you <laughs> no, know. She doesn't have that type of uh, uh, hardware or software. Uh, here we go. Thursday Night Football. Let's talk that game. The, the, the Chargers have their chance. Greg, you're excited. Uh, this special time for a franchise that's been looking to get over the hump for years and years, bury some ghosts um, and or eradicate some ghosts. And here's a big opportunity. But – the challenge is even bigger because you got to go to Arrowhead uh, to face the Chiefs uh, and Patrick Mahomes, who's now going next level. Now he's doing no look passes. Uh, he's completely revolutionizing the position <laughs> and he's at the absolute height of his powers. Uh, this is like Michael Jordan in 1990, just realizing his great potential. Wow! It's like, what? How are you going to win in this situation? I mean, the Ra- the Ravens had the recipe to do it. They were they were a play or two away, but the Chargers have at least under Anthony Lynn, uh, showed no ability to be competitive with the Chiefs, which is a concern, I think, that these two coaching staffs have matched up three times. It hasn't been competitive any one of those times, including a very similar situation in Week 15 last year when the Chargers could have put themselves into playoff position and they got freaking dropped. I'm a little worried about a few things with the Chargers up front. Mm. We haven't seen the offensive line protect Rivers well lately. Sam Tevy is their right tackle and is among the, the worst right tackles in the league, according to Pro Football Focus. Their center, Mike Pouncey, has been struggling. Not sure if he's injured, which he often is lately, giving up a lot of pressure. And you got D Ford, you got Justin Houston, you got Chris Jones, who has a sack every game for 10 weeks. That's problematic on the road on a short week. And you haven't seen the Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa show together yet. Ingram's been very quiet over the last month. I think he has one QB hit plus sack in his last four games. And this is a great player. And so you want to see those two guys getting after Patrick Mahomes because I think that's what the Ravens did really well. 
I think between Mahomes having right there with Rodgers as the best arm talent in the NFL and, frankly, expands more possibilities on a given play than Aaron Rodgers, and then Tyreek Hill's speed, the Chiefs can do so much more on a given play than any other team in the NFL. The possibilities are almost endless, and I think you'll see that's the difference between the Chiefs and the Chargers. Let me ask you a question, Wes, because I trust your uh, reasoning in, these, in this realm of professional football. <laughs> and have you seen so far uh, the Kareem Huntless Chiefs? Has there been a drop-off? Yes. Are they less? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes, I think Spencer Ware is a guy who, by the way, is injured this week and not yet practicing. He's a guy who runs short, choppy steps, and they don't like him getting to the perimeter. They only like to use him in the middle of the field. So they use Damian Williams for all the outside stuff. So they're trying to use two backs to do what Kareem Hunt could do. And neither of those guys is nearly the playmaker that Kareem Hunt is. I know that they have more rushing yards. That This always happens. When a star running back goes out that can do so much. They'll use a committee and they'll get more rushing yards and that will show up in our statistical package week after week. But Kareem Hunt, the way that they used him in the air game as well, like he's irreplaceable. I just think that he's... He Last a, week I thought I heard him, yeah. Absolutely. Just anecdotally, their drive success rate has probably plummeted. They're still scoring points, but they're getting three and outs and punts more often. I wonder, I, like Tyreek Hill described his injury as bad coming out of last week, mm. and he has that heel. He was limited in Tuesday, along with he said where we might get Eric Berry back. But then on the flip side, like if Melvin Gordon, who sounds like he's going to play in this game, if he weren't in because Austin Eckler's also not out, he's out as well, like that for me would be a Chiefs win because I don't know how you, what you do here. The Chargers thing is they don't turn the ball over, but getting Gordon back – Evens the playing field. These are degree. these are the top two teams in the league according to Football Outsiders in terms of efficiency. I mean, this is an amazing way to wrap up uh, the Thursday schedule, and it is an opportunity. As much as logically the Chiefs are better, hey, Philip Rivers, I've been talking about him as you know one of the most underrated quarterbacks ever. He's got a shot to win an MVP. I'm not counting it out. If you go to Kansas City, wait, hold on. You go to Aren't Kansas you- City and you just. Drop Aren't a you the guy who says there's too many guys in the MVP I, discussion? I do, but I'm just saying if Rivers went to Kansas City and outshined Mahomes, if then he beat the, the best stage, the be, the, then he beat ratings. the best defense in football at home. It's really hard to do. The, the Ravens, Bears? the Ravens are one of the best uh, statistically. You know, oh. all right, one of the best. You're right. Uh, in LA, and then you finished it off, and then you got the one seed. I at least could see a groundswell. So he needs to do something special. Mike Williams has been making. I'm amazed Mike Williams only has 530 yards because every time he makes a catch, it just seems enormous. He's got to make special plays. You kind of you need Derwin James to go say, "Hey, I'm the defensive rookie of the year." You need their stars. Look to who's just all step in up. on the Chargers? Well, of course. Well, wow. We always knew it was in Greg, but now now I've been waiting. We've been talking yeah, about this for five years. I, this all kind of checks out to me. The, you're basically a Chargers fan now. Yeah. No. I'm not, but you can appreciate other stories fan. other in other teams. It doesn't pain me the same way like when they lose as or, or if they lose in the playoffs, let's as say your as other the four Patriots teams. as the Patriots. Do you think George Kittle or anybody's better than Travis Kelsey right now with this quarterback and in this offense? I think Kittle's a better all-around. If if you could just take one guy who had the best season, I think it's Kittle. I think But it, Kelsey's amazing. Kittle's a better blocker and it shocks me to say this. He's better after the catch than Kelsey, but Kelsey's better at using his body, I think, in traffic. Uh, let's pick this game. Let's <laughs> see now. I'm in a- <sighs> uh, I mean, I, I, think the, I think the Chargers can hang. They really can. I think they're going until the end, but I think this is a 
like 25 type feel Kansas City. This is a, this is one of the legit home field advantages. They're going to it's short a short week. week. That like that's a, a huge factor. That would be a a victory if you could hold the Chiefs under 30 in that building in prime time. I don't think it's a victory if, if they don't 30. I think any loss is a, is is a big issue. That would for be the Chargers. If your defense you got to hold them keep them under 30 points and you lose, that's a that's a big bummer. Uh Chiefs 33-27 and I'm locking it up. Oh. Oh, oh, look at that. And guess what? And I now that I am, we'll get to this on the preview show, I have fallen out of the race, and I'm just going to enjoy what's shaping up to be a great it goes battle. the Super Bowl. What are you talking about? Well, it's going to be very hard, put it that way. So from my perspective, I think I'm too far out. So I'm enjoying this battle between the kissing cousins. Um uh, that feels like psychological war- warfare. If my team, if I my team was two games out <laughs> through like with six or seven weeks to go, and my coach was like, "We're just gonna sit back and enjoy like Wait, so how many the, weeks the Patriots and Dolphins go for the AFC how East title." How dare you! You put the lock trophy on my desk in October in a bit of psychological warfare, I, and I now did. you're accusing Dan of it. But I, I labeled it as such on Twitter two seconds later. I don't know we, how this would qualify as psychological we warfare. Have, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to sit back and not care anymore. Nonsense. We have seven weeks left of the season, right? Right. And I seven think I'm weeks out, left. You're down I, by two games. I think I'm out four games now. I've been struggling. Three. All right. Who three. cares? But my point is I'm picking the Chargers. I'm not going to lock it up. No. I'm not going to lock it up. Wow, uh, we got to lock not? off. I'm not locking it up. I'm not locking it oh, up. So what was that whole thing about? I, I was just more – I was kind of into this race right now. It, I'm really it, into the lock it, race. But I um, – so and Wes <laughs> locked up a it's team. It's the only reason they're playing the NFL season right now. Exactly. But I, I – this is more – I'm rooting for this. I'm rooting for a fun Thursday night. Daddy's going to have a couple of Tito's. Nice. And watch, and watch the game, and it's going to be fun. And what would be better than Phillip Rivers going down the field and winning a ball game in the fourth quarter at Arrowhead? Yeah, Patrick my, Mahomes doing his ninety Jordan thing. My there it is. My head and my cold heart. Uh, my 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 head oh, agrees with Wes. I almost thought about locking up for the Chiefs. I don't like the Andy wow. Reid Gus Bradley matchup, but there's no way I'm gonna do that. And since there's no repercussions, why wouldn't I pick the Chargers? <laughs> that's who I'm rooting for. That's what I want to happen. Are you that's, locking it? No, oh. that's what I hope happens. You've already given up on the locks. Why don't you just make it interesting? Hey, you never know. Get a three-way lock-off. You never know. A menage, I mean, if you will. Not gonna, you're not going to try to lose. I mean, you never know. This could go – This my my lock situation, I think I was three under five. It could be like the, the famous Marshall Falk uh, comeback in the picks on NFL game day morning in 2011. You are such a football nerd. Or the, Rob, or the Rob Riggle <laughs> comeback. No, I'm making this up. He's, or the Rob Riggle comeback in 2015. You're arguing because you're in last place that no one cares about no, picks. No, I'm serious. I'm different. I really you're invest different. in the picks. And there was one time Terry Bradshaw in 1997 was down nine games with 10 to play. He didn't give it up. He kept picking You don't even right. watch that show. Right. This isn't you made that up. Hey, still I'm coming. I'm, I'm gonna go Bradshaw '99. You don't watch that show. Still in search of the perfect holiday gift. Bradshaw '99. Just said '99. Terry Bradshaw doesn't even remember 1999. Uh, Nautica's got you covered when it comes to last-minute gifts. Nautica is something for everyone on your list. Help friends and family stay cozy all season long. And cold weather favorites like the best-selling Nautix fleece. It's made with static-free anti-pill fabric that retains heat for a cool look and cozy feel. Layer them up your kids, I guess, in puffer vests and coats that are both packable and reversible for every type of winter. That's good, reversible. I mean, it's like having two different coats. I like that. Hey, for the dad that has everything, Nautica's comfortable FlexFit NavTech. NavTech. Yeah, because probably navigation. But how would you? Nicely deduced. Nice. Sweaters are designed with temperature-controlled fabric for active and stylish lifestyle. 
visit nautica.com to find a store near nice. you. Use, co- use code FOOTBALL for 10% off your next purchase in-store or online through Christmas Eve. That is December 24th. That's nautica.com code FOOTBALL. Mm. All right. I mean, did Tiki Barber give up in 2007 when he was four back with six to play? No, he didn't. He kept picking those Sunday night games right. He got fired before He passed Bob Costas. We all see what you do. You're trying to belittle their their great pick battle because for another year, (laughs) you're also ran. It's it's not over. I'm saying it's not over. Maybe it's not. You've said it's over for you for like a month now. (laughs) We're not playing into a second of this. Uh, All right. Coming up now, and and this this is the only reason I'm here today because uh, uh, by way of introduction, we um, last week we decided we we deserve an MVP vote, you know, and uh, yeah. and then we did a little research, and we found out that the man that runs the uh, Pro Football Writers Association by runs I mean he's the president is Bob Glauber, and uh, and it's time for a discussion with Bob, quite frankly. And Bob, are you there? Yes, I'm here. That sounds a little bit, a uh, little bit terrifying. Here, uh, Bob is like the, Bob is like the uncle that I didn't even know until I was like 34 years old when I started beating him at NFL events. Yes, uh, he's been at Newsday, uh, a, a big time New York paper, uh, as an NFL columnist since '92. But Bob also grew up on the other side of the Tappan Zee Bridge uh, in Westchester and actually lived in Rockland County, where I'm from. And I did, yeah, he, he grew up in the cold, right next to the coal town, Pearl River, New York. Uh, so, <laughs> I, so me, <laughs> you're someone, Rob who, Rob you're someone who knows. Beefy uh, suburb. Uh, Bob, Bob grew up in Nanuet, uh, or he didn't grow up in Nanuet. He lived in Nanuet uh, for over a Correct. decade, which was the, the arch rival of Pearl River. And we played the little brown jug game every year. This is the, this is real small time life, this town life that, Bruce wrote about, but uh, here's Bob Glauber. Welcome to the show, Bob. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen, and it's just a pleasure. I've known you guys a long time. I've admired your ascent to the um, to the upper reaches of NFL <laughs> communication. No, seriously, you guys. I really, I go back to our time, but not the in top the press room. I, no, I I go back to the time in the press room at Lucas Oil Stadium when you guys are, you know four ham and eggers just trying to make your way. And now, you know, you're, you're big time and kind of all around the world. Yeah. Bob is, Bob is one of those guys. Like he's just been around who Bob started the journal news or made his bones. Also the paper I started writing at, but since 1992 has been at Newsday. who stays at one newspaper since 1992. Clover's doing something right. It's a, it's amazing. I am so grateful for Newsday. It's it truly is amazing because that business has changed so much. It's incredible. I feel like we're like I, I call Newsday an oasis of stability in just a mad business, a crazy business. And you know, it's not like just locked into one job doing the same thing over and over. It, there's so much variety in this, and you guys know, it's 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 the greatest thing going. And to be able to to do it for a long time, I, I I'm eternally grateful. Very cool. So Bob Bob's a good dude and. And first of all, you're at the owners' meetings in uh, in Texas, right? Right now. How's your hair today, Hansus? By the way, <laughs> it's doing all right. I think it's. I'm about two weeks, two to three weeks out removed from my most recent haircut. It's called the Gentleman's Contours, the name <laughs> of the haircut, and uh, so it's kind of still in the back end of its prime before I need to get another tune-up. All right. Is there a lot of product in use, or, or no? I, I, uh, I yes. want to know. Okay. There's a lot of product, a lot of conversation, <laughs> a 
A lot of... Uh, what Dan likes to do is he'll come into the office with his hair untouched, <laughs> and then he'll stand up and kind of shift his body around <laughs> so the entire yeah. newsroom can see him take his gel that was sent to him by the company and sort of put it through his hair, and it's like an in-office thing, and then he sort of sits down at his keyboard like that's a normal thing for a man to do in a newsroom. <laughs> that's all accurate. <laughs> no, he really does have incredible hair, and I've, I've, I, I say that to him every time I see him. All you guys have your most you know, distinctive features and... I, I, I love the fact that I have, nick, have nicknames for, I think, all of you, right? Uh-oh. What are they I, uh, while well, we're here? Well, Rosenthal, Rosenthal, who gets younger every time I see him, is Benjamin Button. Okay. All right. I'll take that. It's been um, a while. Westling, Westling, who is a very well-read young man who loves to write and is re- – y'all are good writers, very good writers, great writers. Uh, but I call him um, uh, Bartleby the Scrivener uh, for <laughs> some Edgar Allan Poe ref. Oh, yeah. I read that uh, I book guess, in high school. Yeah, Humble brag. I would yeah, prefer well, not to. <laughs> I, I can think we went over this. Yeah, and uh, Sessler, of course, the aggrieved Browns fan, and uh, Hanses. I just call Hanses, but you know, hair—it's it's the hair. So I, I, you've I, called me hair. Yeah, many, yeah. many a, a winter event. We need to have Bob on every week. <laughs> this just feels good. So I mean, it's just—I I, I hope you don't mind that we go in this direction a little bit, but it's just—I've there's just so much pent-up demand here because I've never been on your, your <laughs> podcast. No, it's it's great. I'm 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 thrilled. Um, and, I'm, and I mean that. We'll see if you say that Thanks, at Bob. the by the end of this segment. All right. All right. Yeah, so, go ahead. I, yeah, I've been forewarned. Go ahead. All right. So here's the situation, Bob. So we have, as you alluded to yourself, we've been on the rise in the industry. <laughs> um, our podcast is a global brand. To be quite frank with you, so I've heard, uh, and I've heard, yeah. uh, we're influential in that in that sense within the sphere, the podcast sphere, which no big deal, but like podcasts are kind of a big deal in our in- industry now. So put it all what together, okay, and uh, I feel like we have a voice in the in, in the football cognoscenti, if you will. Okay, yes, I'll agree with that. You have voices, yes, <laughs> yeah, collectively so, and and individually, yes. So we were talking. We love talking about the MVP race, and, and it's it's so fun to to really figure it out because it, there's especially this year, uh, who's going to win MVP? Who fell behind this week? Who's who's catching up? Who's a dark horse? We we're just talking about Phil Rivers. What if he goes off on Thursday night in Arrowhead? Does that buy him uh, some stock in the MVP race? All that good stuff. But the one thing we don't have, Bob, uh, right. is an MVP vote, and, and it got us thinking. We don't need four MVP votes. We just need one, and it would be one that we all collectively come together. And and, and before um, I throw it back to you, Bob, we did uh, prepare a statement, uh, a, a formal pitch that you're going to hear over the phone here, but a, a letter will follow, a certified letter uh, certified. To, to your uh, Long Island estate uh, later. Sure. Certified <laughs> and um... – Okay. Okay. So Mark here it is. Uh, with, without, without further ado, Mark Sessler. Right. It will be notarized, <laughs> of course. Mark Sessler reads a prepared uh, statement to you, Bob Glauber, president of the Pro Football Writers Association. Dear Lord Glauber, we humbly kneel before you with a request to make things right. We understand the guidelines of the hardworking, noble PFWA. Yes, it makes sense for most of the NFL's in-house media limb to be kept outside the doors of your organization. Someone like Daniel Jeremiah should not be allowed to vote on the MVP. Totally on board with that. But there is a foursome inside our building who have given their day-by-day lives to covering this game. 
not just tracking one team and maybe catching a few primetime tilts when you can, but every single contest all season long. This four-pack of football nerds even includes a duo named The Scientists, Chris Wesley and Greg Rosenthal. Wes studies every play of every game and overcame cancer. Greg studies every play of every game and does a good job with that. <laughs> Balancing out these zealots are Dan Hansis, a Jets fan, and yours truly, a Browns fan. We've never jumped ship, which should tell you something about our loyalty to the sport we cover. Are we NFL writers? Hmm. NFL research notes, the four of us have combined to write more than 14,000 articles for NFL.com. Humble brag. And we live in America. Box checked. Our commitment to observing every player from every team in every game every week for years and years on end makes this foursome, the Around the NFL podcast, uniquely qualified to cast one unified MVP vote. We will make you proud, my lord. A true leader does not hide behind the rules. He or she creates new boundaries to match the changing times. Preach! And in this case, the evolving world of NFL coverage, you have the chance to spark a revolution and change football forever. The pigskin is in your court. Can I get an amen? Amen. Bob, the floor is now yours. I mean, Sessler, that was brilliant. <laughs> I, I, I humbly accept your entreaty. I find it incredibly thoughtful and passionate and um, impressive. And the begging is off the charts. I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. You can never go wrong begging. <laughs> and and I and I, I hereby bequeath you an MVP vote for uh, however you want to name it. You know the the fearsome foursome or whatever your your, your foursome's name. The heroes. Is. The hero. The heroes. Yeah. Just keep heroes. going. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so the heroes. The heroes shall have a vote for the MVP in the context of it shall be another important voice in the cacophony of of voices among MVP. That's untoward, Bob. What? You got our hopes up. No, the other shoe drop, that was untoward. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Which MVP are you talking about? How about the, the Associated Press? Okay, you're talking about the Associated Press. That is MVP. the that is the recognized MVP award. Right. I know okay. you guys have your own, and that that's great. Uh, and Sporting News, <laughs> you, they do a nice job, whatever. But we we want the big tamale. You want to go for the gusto, Hansis, correct? Absolutely, that's, that's right. You do. want AP. You yes. want the AP MVP vote to go to the heroes. Yeah, have one from now from now and forever, right? Correct. Or at least until you're no longer in office, or we are no longer around. Well, now I I I don't know how the this is going to be tough letting you down easy on this, but <laughs> I'm not the gatekeeper on this one. Oh, you're passing the buck. Lobby. So what about? But gate- here's Uncle the thing. Bob. Is it not true that uh, we're not even allowed into the Pro Football Writers Association because we work for the NFL? There are guidelines for the and for the Pro Football Writers of America. It's, by the way, it's Pro Football Writers, Writers of America that if you work for a team or the league, that there is not a membership. Um, spot. 
Don't, uh, don't I mean, think? I, yeah. Bob, I have my rejection letter from Jim Trotter uh, framed on my wall, so I do understand Trotter that that's... Trotter gave you a rejection yeah, letter? Yeah, and now he's here. We haven't wow. been able to and think uh, about talk this. about that. Bob was the... I've done my research, Bob. You were the vice president of the association. The Dick Cheney of the whole operation. <laughs> and in what one can only call... <laughs> <laughs> I was the hitman. Trotter, Trotter was the smiling face. I was the hitman. Right. right? You were. And what, what could... Yeah, I mean, what could no. only be described as a uh, a power grab by Bob, he probably pushed Trotter <laughs> out the door to NFL media, f- knowing full well that he would be rescinded right. and stripped of his power. Right, so that's a good example. Jim Trotter is a former president of your association. Yeah. Now, in a bloodless coup, you took over, <laughs> and he's not even – is he even allowed to be in the organization no. now? No. that he Cast, He's no. cast no, out. Here's the thing, though, Bob. You have influence yeah. in the – in the industry, and you know these AP votes are jokes sometimes. 50 people have them. It's also the Associated Press votes, and I'm not going to name any names, but there are certain television organizations that have votes, and they give it to on-air personalities that have their assistants <laughs> do the votes. What a disgrace. They yeah. have You have certain no, beat writers that may have on, just can't. joined the, the beat, and they have to send it out to other people and say, hey, can you help me with, with this? And that's the people voting, and we can't get a vote. All right. Now, I can't – listen, I can't answer for them. I truly can't. No, really. And Do you and have I an AP a, vote? I have an AP uh, vote. That so you correct. have some influence. You've probably well, done you it before. Well, you could give us you your vote. Certain, you could certainly Let, bring it up. Let's hear Bob out. Let's hear Bob out. I'm, I'm one of 50. I know the AP writer, Barry Wilner, kind of uh, you know organizes the voting process. Uh, he down. sends out the correspondence. <laughs> Barry Wilner is a longtime national uh, writer and columnist w- for Associated Press. W-I-L-N-E-R? He's next. N-E-R. W-I-L-N-E-R. Okay. I know Barry. Right, He's Barry. a Rockland man, Kansas. Oh, good. All right. He's a Rockland man, so you can, you can like, find his house. I will. I will find his LA, house. So. I will. Um, Knock on that so door. So Barry, Bar- Barry Wilner handles it, and he asked me about, oh, man, I don't know, 15 years ago? Just, you know, when I started doing it, maybe 20? I don't know. It's it's the, the years all go together, mm. and man, that, uh, you you better believe that's a that's a high honor, right? Yeah, I mean, that, imagine that, how I it felt it, to Bob Costas's assistant. It was one of the best days of his life. <laughs> oh, see, see, you came out with it. Well, you that that is that a. <laughs> you could not hold. Dude, did you realize what you just did, Rosenthal? You made news. Uh oh. Oh man, go back, go go. You gonna erase this, or are you gonna let this go? Oh, it's staying in. I'm I'm. You know, unlike uncover the hypocrisy, I think the media, especially at this time in in the world, should be worried about truth, and that's all I'm about is the truth. John Lennon oh, said it. Geez. Give me some truth. Bob I Glover. think what we're dealing with here is: do you put more weight on integrity or the appearance of integrity? Of course, I put more weight on integrity, <laughs> and I hope that no, no, seriously, and and I'm I'm gonna just take all the joking aside. Okay. Seriously, I absolutely take this and the AP All Pro vote. Extremely seriously. I, I have a lot of discussions about it, and I try to do the best possible job every every year. Because you know what? This is important stuff. Can I give and you a compliment? It, 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 sure. The all-pro voting the last couple of years has been better than ever. Better than ever? I think so. I, I think okay. five, six years ago, it was almost a joke, some of the, some of the guys getting elected for the all-pro team. In the last couple of years, I think people have been doing a lot more homework. You know, I can't speak to anybody. Uh, I, although I do consult with other All Pro voters, and we just we have discussions, 
You know, you know, one of the people I trust a lot is Jenny Vrentis from Sports Illustrated. I think she's one of the best football minds in America, and I I give her opinions a lot of weight. Um, I talk to coaches, um, former coaches, quite a few former coaches, and you know, people who who know what they're seeing. So yeah, it's important. And you listen, you guys are as smart as anybody in the business. There's there, there's no doubt. And I'm not sucking up. It's just it's true. There's there are a lot of smart people who are watching this game and who are studying it very closely. Just because just because they're not, you know, one of 50, you know, voters in this somewhat it's not arbitrary, but you know, it's just just because you're not selected doesn't mean the heroes Mm. It doesn't mean the hero's voice isn't heard. All right, Bob. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having this conversation and an honest process. And we're going to go after Barry Wilner next because we're not going to stop. This is basically <laughs> where, where this, this, our conversation ends. But the journey continues. And I do think those, these PFWA rules are out of, out of date. I mean, they were written before a lot of the – I mean, think of all the conflicts of interest, a lot of – a lot. There's a lot of conflicts of interest. You don't have to work for a league or team to have them, and I think I think an organization like that could have the intelligence to kind of pick out who who could be part of such a thing. Well, I will say that we have had a lot of discussions about this. Sometimes there's a slippery slope that you go down mm-hmm. because not everyone kind of falls into the same group. You have some, you know, team hired writers who right. are you know, have, have access to every single thing going on. Whereas writers for, I guess, for lack of a better term, mainstream media do, do not have that. So how do you, how do you, you know, kind of walk that line? So Rosie, it's, it's very, it's deep and it's, and it's complicated. It's I'm, basically I'm like the JFK you, assassination part two. I've talked to a lot of people about it. What's that? It feels like the JFK assassination sort of part two. It's that much of a, <laughs> it's a wormhole. All right. Or the Kramer spit, you know. There <laughs> it, it go. Bob Glover is a good sport. He's a good man, and he has a new book out, by the way, Guts and Genius. The Finally. S- the story <laughs> of three unlikely coaches who came to dominant, dominate the NFL in the 80s. It's a book about, and this is, you know, I, I talk about it all the time, growing up in Pearl River, uh, you know, after church, and there's Poppy sitting on the couch watching those classic NFC East games on his brown couch. Uh, couch seat and drinking his root beer and eating his pretzels. This book's about Parcells. It's about Gibbs and it's about Bill Walsh and what else, Bob? What, why did you write the book? Well, I wrote it because I'm a, I, I like NFL history. I actually lived that era. I started covering football in those great days. It's a different time in football, and and it's kind of hard to relate to now because you know free agency has has really evened out the talent pool, and you don't have these great long-standing rivalries from year to year. You have great games, and you have a great league, and you have a great product. But you knew every year who your team was, who your quarterback was, who your coach was. And those three coaches in particular, Parcells, Gibbs, and Walsh, were very very unlikely when they started. In 1979, if someone had told you, okay, over the next decade, over the next 12 years, I'm going to give you three names. These guys are going to be Hall of Fame coaches who are going to preside over potentially the best decade of pro football. And that's Bill Walsh, Bill Parcells, and Joe Gibbs. If you had heard that in 79, you would have said, what are you talking about? I, I've never heard of these people because that's how obscure they were when they came into, you know, into their jobs. And they, they kind of gutted it out early. They all thought they were going to get fired within two years of, of, uh, of getting hired. They didn't think they were going to make it, and they, they persevered. And they really did change the sport. 
And I, I find it amazing, incredible, that all 32 of today's NFL coaches, even the, uh, the interim coaches, they are all part of either the Parcells or Walsh coaching tree. Wow. And seven, yeah, 30 of 37 Super Bowls since Walsh won his first wow. one have been won by either Walsh, Gibbs, or Parcells or someone on their coaching trees. And that includes 17 of the last 18 and it will and it will soon be 18 of the last 19 because they're all on either of those trees. Hmm. It's remarkable. It's who remarkable. who is who is the one other one? Dungy? No. What do you mean? Oh, uh, Bill Cowher was the one who was not on either hmm. tree. Wow. He's hmm. the only one. All he was on the Marty Schottenheimer tree. tree. He's on the Schottenheimer tree. So it's not, you know, it's not from the Parcells uh, or Walsh trees or Gibbs tree. Now Gibbs tree was Kind of, kind of non-existent. He just kind of came and went. He was this brilliant flash of a coach who won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks, and you could make a case is the greatest coach of all time based on those restrictions that he had at quarterback and or limitations. Um, those other two guys were, you know, they were all incredible coaches, but I, I think the legacy left behind, especially by Parcells and Walsh, it continues to reverberate in today's game. What's the most? What's the predominant offense in today's NFL? It's the West Coast offense, uh, forged by Bill uh, by Bill Walsh in Cincinnati, oddly enough. On the banks of the Ohio River. On the banks of the Ohio, with Bert, the infamous Bert, the famous Virgil Carter. Oh yeah. Who couldn't throw a ball thirty yards without it being intercepted? But Walsh came up with the system, perfected it, grew it, and other coaches kind of taken that and run with it. And, and I. What I find amazing is that, you know, both Parcells and Walsh had this real desire to help others. And Parcells got it from his basketball coach, Mickey Corcoran, his high school basketball coach in Oradell, New Jersey. And he, he says, Mickey always told me, you got to help others. You got to do it. It's, it's your responsibility. And Walsh got it from being passed over by uh, Paul Brown in 1976 when he could have been the Bengals head coach. And, you know, Bengals fans have heard this, but, you know, he, he would have been completely happy to spend the rest of his career in Cincinnati. <laughs> so Paul what Brown a... passes him over, and then at that moment, it was Feels the like a mistake. His... It well, was a mistake, but it was a And then was Walsh terrible... handed it to the Bengals in their only two Super Bowl appearances. There, mm. there you go. That's... His, book ended two, his book ended his two Super Bowls over the, over the Bengals, and Paul Brown was, was on the field Oof. for both times, and it was, uh, it, it was tough for Paul Brown. But, you know, Walsh promised himself and promised the people around him that if he ever did get a chance, after getting passed over, that he would help every coach who worked with him. And out of that despondency after he got passed over came the most impressive coaching tree in the history of sports, not just the NFL. Uh, Bob, it's a great subject matter, and it's uh, obviously a great Christmas gift, and you can find Guts and Genius, uh, the story of three unlikely coaches who came to dominate the NFL in the 80s. Anywhere books are sold, including Amazon, let's be honest. I mean, Amazon's going nuts right now. I'm currently <laughs> reading it, and it's, I would say it's not a given that all these football books are going to be well-written. This one is well-written. It mm. spins a good yarn, and it'd be a bit like if there were three Belichicks in the AFC for the last decade mm. and a half. Wow. Uh, Bob, you're a good sport. Appreciate you're, that, Bartleby. Thank you. You're a good man and a great uncle. <laughs> Bob Glover. <laughs> all right, kids. See you, Thank Bob. You. See you, Bob. Loved it. All right, take care. All right, there goes Bob Glauber. Uh, we don't have our vote yet. Uh, obviously, the the goal there was to end that conversation with a vote, but we were we're gonna fight on. Barry Wilner is next. 
I mean, I'm not surprised list. it wasn't just a one-step process. These are big right. organizations we're going up against. I am. After be... hearing that statement you read, that the yeah, that was beauty. we did our part, but we'll keep doing our part. We're going to keep fighting. We're just starting the battle. Okay, we'll be back uh, Thursday night with a recap of that great. Uh, Chargers Chiefs battle and then a preview of all the week 15 games on Sunday and Monday and Saturday as well Uh, so let us uh, get out of here this is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm the mailman the old boss and Ricky Hollywood behind the glass we will persevere we will get that vote because we deserve it damn it till Thursday night You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.